Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey everyone, technically you're getting two days in history today because we're running two episodes from the History Vault. You'll also hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to this day in history class. It's July 21st. Today in 1925, John Scopes was found guilty of teaching evolution in Dayton, Tennessee. Here is how a lot of people imagine this story. It's a small town in the 1920s. A science teacher defies all the community norms and teaches a class on evolution. And then a student, usually imagined as a girl, tearfully says during class that the learning this is against her religion, and then she goes home and confesses to a parent that she has learned something offensive or sacrilegious in school, and then her outraged father, it's usually her father, goes to the principal or the school board or the police. The teacher is arrested and put on trial. That is not how this happened at all. Charles Darwin's theories of evolution were more than 50 years old at this point. They had made their way into lots of standard biology textbooks, such as the 1914 edition of A Civic Biology Presented in Problems, which was the one that was being used in Dayton, Tennessee. And at the same time, more and more school systems were standardizing their educational policies and their school curricula. These two things happening at the same time were also going on at the same time as a rise in Christian fundamentalism. So all of this was happening simultaneously. And a lot of Christian fundamentalists objected to Charles Darwin's writing on evolution. Some of this was because it just contradicted the creation story in the Christian Bible. But there were also objections to the idea that people came from monkeys. To be clear, that is not how Darwin described evolution. 
He did not write that people came from monkeys. That was a mischaracterization of his work. But in the face of this simultaneous standardization of schools and rise in fundamentalism, a lot of states started banning the teaching of evolution. Florida and Oklahoma passed laws that were related to the issue in 1923, and then Tennessee explicitly outlawed it in 1925 in legislation called the Butler Act. The Butler Act made it illegal to, quote, teach any theory that denies the story of the divine creation of man as taught in the Bible, and to teach instead that man has descended from a lower order of animals. So this law got the attention of the American Civil Liberties Union, or the ACLU. They ran an ad in a Chattanooga newspaper on May 4th, 1925, saying they were looking for a test case. They offered to publicly defend any teacher who was charged with the teaching of evolution. And at this point, a bunch of community leaders in Dayton, Tennessee, population 1800, thought this might be a good chance to bring some much-needed tourism to their town. They approached teacher John Thomas Scopes, who was a relative newcomer to the town, and he said he had probably taught some evolution when he was substituting for a biology teacher during a recent exam review. So he was arrested and indicted, and the town got ready to host a bunch of news media and visitors. This, these visitors, some of them were very high profile. They included Clarence Darrow, one of the most famous attorneys in the country, and Arthur Garfield Hayes of New York, who was the ACLU's general counsel, They were both on the defense. And then the prosecution included William Jennings Bryan, who had run for president three times and served as a secretary of state. They seriously got ready for a media onslaught. They built a tourist camp. They updated the courthouse to accommodate more media people, including adding camera platforms and places for microphones. The town formed a Scopes Trial Entertainment Committee. Businesses started hanging up pictures of monkeys in their windows, selling monkey-themed products. The trial itself played out before a packed courtroom and eventually had to be moved outside because of cracks that were forming in the ceiling. And then, in a bizarre turn of events, Clarence Darrow put defense attorney William Jennings Bryan on the stand then asked him a bunch of, like, leading, tricky questions. He asked the kind of bad-faith questions that people on the internet ask as kind of a gotcha. And then afterward, the press lampooned Brian. He actually died in his sleep five days after the trial was over. The media lampooned the town of Dayton as well. But even so, even with all of this fun-making in the press... Numerous other states started introducing laws banning the teaching of evolution after this was over, and a few passed them. The Butler Act actually stayed on the books in Tennessee until 1967, and then court cases related to whether any of this is constitutional have also been making their way through the courts for decades. Every time the court comes to a consensus on one issue, another approach will filter into the mix and make its way through the courts again. You can learn more about the Scopes trial and some of these other cases that followed it on the May 24th, 2017 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. And you can subscribe to the Stay in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Next up, we will have a medical breakthrough and some debate about who should get the credit for it.
There are some stories in Jewish history that are so bizarre, so fascinating, so completely wild that they feel like they're straight out of a movie, but they're all true stories. Join hosts Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab on Jewish History Nerds for a new season of intrigue, mystic realms, and bloody battles. In season three of these podcasts, you'll meet an ancient Arabian king who converted to Judaism in a struggle for power, a mysterious author who created amulets and performed Kabbalistic exorcisms, and a can't-miss story of a female Hasidic Rebbe whose story unfolds like a real-life Yentl to challenge societal norms. Jewish history nerds will keep you on the edge of your seat as you learn all about some of the craziest and most amazing yet largely unknown stories that fill Jewish history books. Find out what happened, how it happened, and why each story still matters today. Don't miss Jewish History Nerds Season 3, hosted by Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab. Find Jewish History Nerds wherever you listen to podcasts. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hello. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we flip through the book of history and bring you a new page every day. The day was July 21st, 365 CE. An earthquake off the coast of Crete triggered a tsunami and was likely part of a larger sequence of seismic events that caused destruction in Peloponnesus, the Greek islands, Sicily, Libya, Cyprus, and Egypt. There was no way to measure earthquakes in the 4th century, but since then, scientists have estimated the quake's magnitude to have been at least 8.0. The earthquake, which happened in the early morning, destroyed almost all the towns in Crete. Areas of land in Crete were lifted by at least 30 feet or 9 meters. 
the city of ancient Philosarna was uplifted so that its harbor could not be used anymore. Researchers at the University of Cambridge carbon-dated corals on the coast of Crete and determined that a quake lifted them 33 feet, or 10 meters, in one push. That meant that there must have been an earthquake in a steep fault in the Hellenic Trench near Crete. The Hellenic Trench is a linear depression that forms the boundary between the Hellenic tectonic plate and the African plate. The earthquake and subsequent tsunami were blamed for destruction in the Nile Delta and on other coasts in the eastern Mediterranean and for the death of thousands of people. Roman historian Ammianus Marcellinus described the destruction that the earthquake and tsunami caused. Slightly after daybreak, and heralded by a thick succession of fiercely shaken thunderbolts, the solidity of the whole earth was made to shake and shudder, and the sea was driven away, its waves were rolled back, and it disappeared, so that the abyss of the depths was uncovered and many shaped varieties of sea creatures were seen stuck in the slime. The great wastes of those valleys and mountains, which the very creation had dismissed beneath the vast whirlpools, at that moment, as it was given to be believed, looked up at the sun's rays. Many ships, then, were stranded as if on dry land, and people wandered at will about the paltry remains of the waters to collect fish and the like in their hands. Then the roaring sea, as if insulted by its repulse, rises back in turn, and through the teeming shoals dashed itself violently on islands and extensive tracts of the mainland, and flattened innumerable buildings and towns or wherever they were found. Damage in the eastern Mediterranean in 365 CE was widespread, leading researchers to conclude that the July 21st earthquake was not isolated, but part of a series of local earthquakes that might have included major events off of Cyprus and between Sicily and Libya in addition to Crete. These seismic events may have happened in such a short period that historical accounts regarded them as a single event. In fact, historical and archaeological data suggest that the 4th to 6th centuries was a period with a lot of seismic activity in the eastern Mediterranean, which may reflect a reactivation of all plate boundaries in the region. Debate continues over whether ancient accounts of the July 21st earthquake describe a single regional catastrophe or represented the conflation of several quakes that occurred in the 4th and 5th centuries. The disaster was recognized as a day of horror in some archaeological sources. While some researchers have said that the 365 CE disaster led to the split of the already declining Roman Empire 30 years later, others have said that the earthquake was not the cause of any major cultural change. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at TDIHC Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Come back tomorrow for another tidbit from history. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. 
In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.